Hello and welcome to the Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is the champagne mommy themselves, uh, Lindsay Stewart, the owner of Variety Concert. Thanks so much for coming to the Sanctuary today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Israel. It's a total pleasure. So, uh, let's start with Variety Concert. How did that come about? And, you know, so you upcycle paper goods. And mm-hmm. how did that start? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, it came from my initial love for mail art, essentially sending art through the mail to friends, loved ones, and sometimes strangers. Um, collage is a pretty popular medium in that world. And uh, that's kind of how I fell in love with collecting little bits of paper and uh, repurposing them, putting them together, and um, and hopefully other people like it too. <laughs> so, yeah, it all it all came from mail art when I was really, really young. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he stuck with you. So, like, did you do any art training at all? Kind of. <laughs> I, I went to, it depends on what your term of, uh, you know, art training is really means i did go to art school so i went to nascad for uh uh yeah i went for the first foundation year and then from then on i kind of just dabbled in little things that i was really interested in you know some some summer courses that are usually a little weird there but i I did go to art school Mm. and how was that experience I really enjoyed going to NASCAD for a lot of different reasons. Uh, it really helped me uh, meet people who were interested in the same thing that I was doing. Um, it helped me meet people who were uh, really interested in organizing. Um, and I, I, made a, I made a really great community at, at NASCAD. And I got to produce a lot of work that I never would have done if I didn't go to NASCAD. What are um, some of these works? Uh, well, I, th- I think it just made me uh, be more productive and think a little bit more outside of the box. You know, I started getting into large scale collages. I started getting into uh, producing my own paper for those la- large collages. So. I really was thinking outside of the box with, in terms of simple size of a project, but also what kind of materials I was using. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made me think kind of smaller scale. And I, I took a class called uh, Tactile Notebook and the Written Word with uh, Sandra. I, d- I never actually read the description of the course. I signed up because of the name of the course because it was so weird and interesting <laughs> but that it, that really focused on um that specific class really focused on uh kind of combining journal journaling with your art practice and maybe thinking a little bit more introspectively in terms of what we consider art oh. to yourself you know yeah so um I, I took a lot of weird courses. I took one called Soft Sculpture. That was really cool. Uh, it focused on the art of uh, weaving, embroidery, um, sewing, stuff like that, in, in order to make, you know, three-dimensional pieces. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I learned a lot 
even though I didn't finish school, I, I never uh, got a piece of paper at the end or anything. Uh, I'm really thankful for the uh, community and the social bonds that I made uh, at that school. Mm. And yeah. I'm guessing you still have some of those friends still today. Absolutely. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was, it was probably 15, 16, 17 years ago that I did that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> so when when you're like, okay, um, done with, well, you know, finished with taking these courses of mascot. What what was your next foray into art? Next foray into art. I mean, I have been making art for most of my life. Whether I'm going to art school or working at a more uh, corporate job. Um, once I got out of that, I did a lot of retail. I did a lot of clothing retail. Uh, I worked for a large company doing uh, visual merchandising. Uh, traveled a lot with that, opened stores. So visual merchandising is what? Visual, visual merchandising essentially is in a retail space. When you walk into a store, uh, it's everything that you see. It can be as simple as what the mannequins are wearing, uh, but it can be how the where the lights are directed in the store, where the color stories of certain vibes of clothing fall within the store. It's rotation. Uh, it's setting up signs. You know, it's it's a it's everything you see. Oh, so like, uh, how long? Um, I guess. When you go to a store that's already designed or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. how long will it take to like come up with your own design, you know, draw it out or whatever you do and then actually set it up? Uh, it depends on how big the job is. Now, if I was working in the women's department, which is probably the biggest department in the store, um, it could take a full eight-hour shift to complete... The main, the main women's section. I'm not talking about basics. I'm not talking about business wear, denim, anything like that. Just kind of the main fashion section. Um, <laughs> That's a little work. It's a long time, yes. And it's very laborious. It's heavy work. It's dirty. It's sweaty. Do you, uh, like, work with a team or is it all just you? Yeah, no. Uh, usually we... The space that I worked at, you you would work with a team and everyone would kind of switch around depending on what departments uh, had deadlines coming up or, you know, which were, uh, or or if departments were just ugly. To say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, we would all rotate within a store, but again, but again, it really depends on the size of the store too. You know, if I was in a smaller store, it could have been just me. Yeah. So how does but, one get... Yeah, go on. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm just saying that uh, even though it's it's sweaty, it's hard work, it really did also tie in to my artistic background. You know, mm. it's uh, it's um, finding things that are visually pleasing to the eye. Mm. Yeah, but mm. how, how does one get to become a visual merchandiser? Uh, I just, I applied. <laughs> I had a lot of other... Um, retail uh and management in my background even though i was pretty young when i i was probably mid-20s when i started at that place I, I still had quite a bit of uh uh retail and management background behind me mm. Mm. so yeah i applied and i got the job 
Nice. Uh, how long yeah. did you do that for? On and off, probably over 10 years or so. On and um, off? Why? Well, I took a couple breaks. So I did, uh, I, I worked for that company for a while, but then I, I wanted to open up a store with one of my best friends, Emily Ross. Um, so we opened up Big Pony, which was our uh, small business for about four years. So that's what I mean by on and off. Mm. So yeah. let's talk about Big Pony. How did that come about? Why did you decide to set it up? Uh, Big Pony was like a labor of love. I've, I've always wanted my own retail space. Uh where I could organize it myself and do whatever I wanted without rules, which I, which I had a lot of uh, mm. at the bigger store. Uh, and I also wanted to help support uh, a lot of those people that I met in art school and through those people in art school. Mm. Halifax has a big, beautiful, bustling community of makers and artists who are making really cool stuff you know uh it's different it's local it's people i know um so that's why emily and i wanted to do it mm. um yeah we, we just wanted to have free reign over a space honestly and and support our friends and people within the community mm. and yeah. uh what was the process of setting that up uh, uh, what did we do first? We brainstormed some names. Uh, we saved a little bit of money. We started looking at uh, retail spaces, commercial spaces. Uh, we originally had a location on Brenton Street, downtown off of Spring Garden. It was a basement space. Mm. We definitely set it up. We we were we were feeling life. We set it up. It, it very drastically changed within the first four years. And I I think back to that first store that we had in the basement on Brenton Street, and it just completely came became a different beast. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but if we we really we were very spontaneous about it. You know, we had the idea, and I think it was like two or three months later, and we were opening. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, so what? all your focus now was on Big Pony and you were done with the visual merchandising. Well, you were still doing the visual merchandising, exactly. but for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that I learned at that place became very uh, useful and lucrative within my own personal business with Emily. You know, uh, it it's a lot of common sense. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then you ran Big Pony for four years. How are the four years of Big Pony? Uh, it was a roller coaster. There were a lot of high highs and there was a lot of low lows. Mm. Um, it's, you know, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it for anyone. Owning a small business is very difficult. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of steadfastness and uh it's it's just hard work you become your business so yeah so it, we we opened up on brenton street originally uh we sold mostly secondhand clothes mm. but we started um 
we organized a Christmas market one year, a Christmas pop-up that would be in the shop for a month of local artists. Mm. It was very popular. It went over really well. We loved the way the items looked in the store. So from there on out, um, we started welcoming more um, local artists into the store. And uh, yeah, so so that was the, the first uh, first shop. Then we, we closed that location down and moved to Gottagen Street. Uh, which was probably, you know, closer to a lot more people that we knew. Um, it was busier. It, it had a storefront. It had a window. Um, and that's really where we, uh, by the end of it, it was mostly half local artists, half secondhand clothing. Oh, nice, nice. How, mm-hmm. I get, I, I, how did the artist community receive Big Pony? How receptive was the artist community of the of Big Pony? Oh, it, it was awesome. Um, most of the people that we started selling with, we knew personally, uh, um, you know, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very well receptive. receptive. We, we really tried to focus on um, giving opportunities to maybe younger or less experienced artists as well. Um, in hopes that uh, it could be a good launching pad or a a great way to start off. We organized Mm. a lot of pop-ups with Pop Explosion, or we also really enjoyed doing pop-ups in local bars. Uh, We love the idea of being able to sip on a beer while you look at local art, Mm. have a good time with your friends. It's, It's also encouraging of the community feel. You know, you can come with your friends. You can Mm. have an afternoon. Um, so in that sense, I think it was really successful, honestly. And then with Big Bonito, how's it, you know, running a business with, with a friend or with a partner? <laughs> running, running a business with a friend is, is, um, I, I, it was the same. It, some, sometimes it was really great and sometimes it was really difficult, you know, mm-hmm. we, um, we really did rely on each other for a lot of, uh, I mean, j- just venting and getting it out. You know, I, I definitely had certain troubles with, um, separating m- myself from my business. Uh, it was, it was difficult to say the least. You know, I, I, I think we both definitely felt like we were working 24 hours a day. You know, it didn't, it never turned off mm-hmm. uh, and it was always go, go, go. So in that sense, you know, we, we, we were able to be there for each other when things weren't so great. We were also able to be there for each other to celebrate the wins. Mm-hmm. You know, she was my closest person. We really um, were there for each other through thick and thin. So yeah, you say you ran for four years, right? Yeah. Um, and then what led to the decision to close Big Pony? Uh, what led to the closing of Big Pony was uh, <laughs> my actual my my coworker, my ex Big Pony partner. I I now live with. She's actually just in the corner here, kind of listening <laughs> to my answers. <laughs> Pretty funny, but uh. What led to the demise? I mean, we we were we were burnt out. We were very burnt mm. out. We were tired. We were both 
dealing with a lot of mental health issues in our in our home life, mm. trying to decide if this was the right thing to do. Mm. Uh, it, it, just we we were a little bit uh, tired, just tired. Um, it's a, it's a lot of work, and and I, I I think it's amazing. I think that the small businesses in Halifax or any other city really do make up the fabric and uh, you know the best parts of the city. Uh, but I don't want to sway dissuade anyone from from doing something like that. However, it's really hard. It's really hard, and it takes a lot of time. And uh, we, we, yeah, we we wanted we wanted to try something else, which is really the best and most positive and accurate way to say it. We we both wanted to do different things, and we both loved each other enough to to make it happen for each other. I mean you still yeah. live together so that should answer that should yeah we're doing okay no <laughs> that's just no that's just and then no what was the thing you wanted to move on to uh maybe uh more uh reliable paychecks <laughs> <laughs> so you know every two weeks is gonna come in I wanted to move on to reliable page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. what did you do then? I went back to the same business that I was working for. I also did a little bit of uh, reception work at a tattoo shop uh, with some friends of mine. Uh, but ultimately, I yes, I did go back to the same company mm. where I was visual merchandising before. And then you, you continued doing that? In the, was it like in the same store or like you'd go to different stores you, you so if you got placed in a store yes that would be your one store we would travel to open up other stores like just to set them up um and i did work at a few of the stores as they opened up they would send me to the other stores oh how how many stores would you say you worked in this period? Uh, I worked as a solid visual merchandiser in three separate stores. Mm. Uh, and then I probably opened up about uh, four or five other stores. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. All in HR? No, no. They, they would fly us around. We would go to uh, Montreal or different Quebec stores. Uh, there are some stores in the other Maritimes, you know, PEI. Oh, nice. Yes. Did you have to learn and speak French for your work? No, but I should have. Uh, <laughs> I, I did work at a store in Moncton for uh, just over a year, and uh, my coworkers didn't really speak a lot of French, but I do believe that I should have learned French to go work in a store in Moncton. It's mm. heavy, heavy French population. Yep, yep, I agree. Yeah. Every time I go to, it's like, oh, okay. And everything is in French and English there anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. Do you like Moncton? Do I like Moncton? I mean, it's okay. Uh, but, like, I prefer Halifax. Let me put it like that. Okay. Uh, okay. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's nice. And I have family there. They have a really nice house. So 
you know, it's it's a good excuse to go there. So like, so to me, Moncton is this person's home. Right. It's, so but like when I go to Moncton, I'm going to that place. So it's like, yes, I want to go to Moncton because they have this really nice house and they really <laughs> take care of you. And you don't have to, like yeah. literally, you know, when it's summer, I want to go there because like for four or five days, I don't do shit. I just exactly. lounge and yeah. you know <laughs> and they, I have yeah, a really nice market, dog yeah yeah the housing market in Moncton and the surrounding areas is like hot you can get a nice piece of property for not very much money for oh, sure yeah yeah like, so they're, yeah. they're living in luxury good for them <laughs> <laughs> Halifax them. is crazy with that so um you had to live in Moncton for this work I yes I did yeah huh how was I, that I for you uh, well, I was feeling very positive about it at first. I was ready for a change. There wasn't much holding me in Halifax at that time. I wanted to make more money. Um, and they suggested that I consider going to Moncton. I was all in. I was all for it. Uh, you know, obviously it was, it was pretty sad and difficult to leave my home, Halifax. I've always lived here. But I was enthusiastic and I was stoked and I I was just going for it. Uh, mm. So when I first got there, it was it was really awesome. I quite enjoyed it. I loved my work. I loved my new coworkers. Uh, it was awesome. As time went on, I got pretty lonely. Mm. Found it difficult to make friends. Would your Would your friends woman. from Halifax visit? Yes, all the t- yes they visited lots. And it was awesome, and we would rip up the town, and it was really soul-filling for me. But mm-hmm. I was still living in the city very much alone and by myself. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, It, uh, you know, I do feel like I really got better at figuring out how to be alone and be happy and just lay low. Mm-hmm. But it was still difficult. I, I came back to visit Halifax quite a bit. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, and then you moved back to Halifax. Why? Well, in January of 2020, I had uh, been working at the spot for just over a year. Mm. And I just, you know, uh, the stress was getting to me. Not being able to see or talk to friends and family was getting to me. Um, there was... A lot of things coming into play, you know, the management had switched around at at my work and I just had a mental breakdown, to be totally honest and frank. I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. I I went into work one day and I I just couldn't stop having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, everything. And I I had to get out. So I went on short term uh, disability. I I left work sick. uh, And... So that's why I quit that job. Now I did stay in Moncton in, for almost a year after after that. Oh, okay. And what were you doing for I that year? Uh, not much. Well, in, in March 2020, the pandemic hit. Uh, so I, I I stayed in my house. I grew a lot of plants, a lot of plants. And I, I actually uh, took that time to kind of uh, get back into my art making, to be totally honest. Uh, I'd spent, you know, probably 
eight to ten years not making as much art as I had, not making as much art as I would have liked to. So I, I made a lot of art for that mm. year in Moncton in my apartment. Yeah. Mm, mm. How was it like rediscovering art again? Because, you know, it had not been a part of your life for a very long time. It was hard. I had a lot of uh, judgment built up within me, uh, especially relating to how good or how bad I thought the art was that I was oh. making. So because I wasn't really practicing very much of it, when I first started, I yeah. I had a lot of like judgment cast upon it by myself. There was nobody else there. It was just me, mm. you know, crapping on my artwork. Uh, but I kind of, because I had all the time in the world and all the space and no voices cluttering my head, I just kept going, mm. just kept doing it. Um, and I would start off small. I would start off with, you know, tiny pieces of paper, you know, and I would just put a few things on it or I would paint some colors and when I say paint some colors I mean smear around some colors I mean mm. throw some colors around and I just ultimately try to battle those feelings of judgment with kind of like a sense of fun you know mm. trying to be a little bit more looser with it trying to let those those judgments go away yeah um, how successful yeah. so were you really though hard. Sorry. Yeah, that, that's what I'm curious. How successful were you with that? How successful was I with it? Well, you know what? I started having more fun. Mm. And frankly, to me, that's like my, uh, you know, that's my ultimate goal. I, you know, I make art to have fun. I make art to enjoy myself. Mm. I make art to feel proud about myself, you know, um, I, I ultimately, I really just tried to let those feelings go and tried to focus on. Um, I was going to say getting better, but I meant I mean more like getting better at enjoying myself while I do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah and you know, yeah. and you mentioned something there, and I, I think personally, it, like if I'm not enjoying something, god damn, you better be paying me a lot of money to do it. Yeah, why bother, right? <laughs> Why bother? Life is too short, you know? <laughs> and I mean, and, and the, it, that, that goes into the same thing, you know, my visual merchant do job. I, as much as I enjoyed the work, I enjoyed my coworkers. Mm. There was something about it that was just chipping away at me. The stress of going into work every day. And I'm like, and in that same, that same expression, I, I didn't feel like I was getting paid enough. I was just, it's not worth the the mental strife it's not mm. worth it yeah yeah mm. so yeah it, it was difficult to get out of that negative headspace and have it not affect my art mm. you know of course there's gonna that's gonna play into it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so, you know, you get back into it, you make art, and then you're making this progress. Like, did you decide, okay, I'm just going to do this variety concert, like, right away, or when did that one start? So, thank you for asking that question. That's a good question. I started variety concerts um, probably 12 to 15 years ago, 
No, t- 10 to 12 years ago. And I, I did sell at um, some local shops uh, back then. This was ever before Big Pony was a glimmer in my eye. I sold at a couple uh, local shops. Uh, but it really fell by the wayside for those several years, that 10-year that gap that uh, I, I wasn't making a lot of art. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I got back into it recently, it was, it was actually quite easy to pick up. I'm still making a lot of the same products that I used to make 10 years ago with oh. obviously more updated materials. But I, I'm, I'm still pretty much doing the same thing. I'm branching out a little bit here and there slowly with new products. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was easy to get back up and going because I already had the blueprint in my mind for it. Mm. And that mm-hmm. meme, what, like, does it mean something? No. <laughs> Nothing at all. It's whatever you want it to mean. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. How did it come about then? Like, did you? I, well, I mean, the, the word Verity concert came from that stamp that I found at a secondhand store that, that was misspelled, misprinted. Um, but I also, I think that kind of lends a bit of a sense of humor to it, which I feel like I carry around in my day-to-day life anyways. Mm. You know, I love a tattoo that's misspelled. I, I, I get a kick out of that. Do you, you know, know that it, do you know the, the no regret tattoo? Love it. I just, I love it. <laughs> it. It cracks me up, you know, and, and I really, <laughs> I'd like to think that we shouldn't take like, you know, we, we shouldn't take these little things in day-to-day life so seriously. So <laughs> just misspell a couple words. Who cares? <laughs> Um, okay, so what is the process of making this um, artwork? Like, uh, uh, is a, you know, is it a, a thing, a flow to it? A, a little bit. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a work of passion. It's it, They're mostly, you know, the things that I make are things that I like. Um, there's a lot of collecting involved. I don't like to use the word hoarding. <laughs> There's a lot of collecting. paper collecting. Yeah. You know, old vintage books, vintage writing paper, cool seals and stickers from old packages. Mm. You know, um, you know, nice thick writing paper. You know, that the tactile nature of all of it. Um, you know, a lot of my time goes into collecting cool things and and sourcing them out uh and then i think the next part of it is really all in how you put it together and how you display it to make it interesting to someone who maybe isn't into the same stuff that i am you know Mm. i realize i'm an extreme version of of a paper lover but i think that a lot of regular normal people out there would love to get a package of vintage writing paper with a beautiful design on it that you haven't seen in a while to write a letter to a friend you know that that's accessible to a lot of people yeah so um it's me kind of taking my massive collection and just uh tearing it down and and focusing on someone who who could maybe use it yeah no yeah 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 that's uh and, and that's the thing too though like um because of how 
different and abstract things you create with variety content how how do you decide okay this one is done this is it it's finished it's ready to go well you just know you get a mm. feeling you get a sense of satisfaction you seal it up you put a stamp on it and you send it out <laughs> I, I think it's just a it's just a happy place you get to. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a feeling of satisfaction, a, a deep sat, inner satisfaction. That's how you know. You're like, okay, I feel good. This is it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's not to say that I'm not allowed to go back and revisit something and change it all around and make it completely different. But mm. at that point, you see it, you love it, it's done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so you make these things and then because of it's tactile, you actually have to send it in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These days we are used to like things on Instagram, email attachment, like mm-hmm. how important is it that you want, you know, that people should hold this thing you made? Well, you know what? I think the proof is in the pudding, you know, when you get something in the mail that's not a bill, maybe it's, <laughs> you know, maybe it's addressed that's to you. That's not a bill. That's it's not a bill. It, it's, you know, and it's an envelope, and you can feel something inside, and your name looks nice. You can tell somebody hand-wrote it. Mm. You know, that, does that not make you feel like a special guy that day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes you, it makes you feel good, you know, Um I think it is interesting how my love of mail art has now turned into something that's forcing me to send stuff in the mail to people, you know. And that is that is half of the fun to me is decorating the envelope to that person. We took the time <laughs> to get a thing. Um, I I just think it's just like mutually beneficial. It fuels my creative desire mm. it makes someone feel good about their day they're excited to open something um mm. it's i i i think that everyone loves getting mail especially considering the pandemic you know i can't visit my friends in ontario can't mm-hmm. visit my friends in bc but i can i can send them a couple of packages you know yeah. and uh kind of kind of feels like you're there a little bit it's really yeah funny. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is very true. Um, and then you like uh, send it out. Let's talk about um, with. Do you also like have like? Uh, is it all online? How people get get the like you know purchase stuff from Variety Concert? Yeah, uh, so I do have an Etsy shop. It's under Verity Concert, V-A-R-I-T-Y, C-O-N-C-E-R-T. But uh, I also have a dedicated Instagram to it, which, you know, I promise I'm trying very hard to update it and kind of, uh, uh, it's all very new to me. Uh, Back in the day, I would just make the product and send them to stores and they kind of just took care of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But now as, things evolve and, and, and you know, uh, computers become more modern. I'm trying to evolve with them. And, uh, yeah, so I, I update my Etsy regularly. Uh, you can see me on Instagram. And sometimes I post uh, my masks on my personal account, which is Champagne Mummy. Yeah, 
Um, okay, well, two things. Well, well, I'll start with Champagne Mommy. What's the story behind that name? Well, uh, you know, I used to be a massive Drake fan. Uh, used to? Used to. I, he's dying off for me a little bit. I don't know, <laughs> I just, I don't know if I like his attitude. Just saying. Anyway, but yeah. I, I, used to, I used to love him, love his music. His Instagram name is Champagne Poppy. So oh. I thought it would be funny if I took a little spin on that. So I'm Champagne Mummy. A lot of my friends call me Mummy or Mum, so it, it worked. Are you the Are you the the one that always make sure everyone gets home? Yeah, yeah. So in my party days, I used to be Club Mom. Yeah, Club Mom. I was making sure no, you know, everyone's drinks were safe. Making sure nobody was bothering any of my friends. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with you know, with just everything happening recently, just you know, with me too, all this stuff, um, it forces you to like sit back and reflect, and like, and then it just occurred to me, you know, as a guy, as a guy, you know, identifying and presenting, like, uh don't have to like i don't have to do all these mental gymnastics that you know you would yeah. do or you would do with your friends when you go out to have a nice time out well when you could go out you know mm -hmm. um uh, but now like you have to make sure your drink is safe and it's like just the things you have to do i can't even imagine it i can't even oh, imagine yeah. it and i mean I'm only 36, but we've been doing this, you know, I've, we've been doing this for the past, you know, 16 years that I've been out. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's not me and my group of friends. It's the only, it's the only time that you have to be careful out and about. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been like this. I think it's interesting that more people are starting to realize that it's a very real necessity, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, it is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, is. you know, I just like to make sure usually I, I can kind of, I'm usually the most sober. I shouldn't say that. Most sober acting out of my friends. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like, I like, I like to make sure everyone's all right, you know, just in case. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Let's talk about the mask, right? So, how like i i know you mentioned you did soft arts with like weaving and sewing and embroidery and stuff did you mm -hmm. use any of those experience you got from nascar in making a mask how i mean yeah we're in a pandemic and a lot of people are making masks but like yours are i think it's a design you know it's not like really the mask. it's the design uh you know how did that come about and why did you decide to start making them well, I mean, I, I start, decided to start making them just because there was a huge, huge necessity of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember a close friend of mine made my first mask and sent it to me in the mail at the beginning of the pandemic, and I loved it. And then, you know, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was also talking to my mom on the phone a lot. Uh, and she is a pro sewer. So believe it or not, I, I don't make the masks. Oh. My mom, this is a mother's daughter bonding experiment pandemic <laughs> uh, do you have uh, siblings no it's just me oh it's just, just yeah okay yeah so so she was making masks and she's great at sewing she usually does clothes quilts and stuff like that but she started making masks and i and i'm 
And she's showing them to me, and I'm talking to my mom, and I'm like, you you got to make cooler masks. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, these are cool. These masks are very cool. And I'm like, uh-huh. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some fabric. I'm gonna I'm gonna go source some cool things and and look around and see you know <laughs> what I can find that I think is cool. So yeah. now actually I pick out all the fabric and uh, the design and whatnot, and and oh. my mom sews them because she is just a wizard on the machine. Oh. So uh, it's it's a group effort. It's a it's a duo. Yeah, no, yeah, you know I like that. I like where you know people take their strengths and come together to create something awesome like that um so um but like like you also sell them on your etsy store correct yes yeah yeah i sell them on my uh excuse me personal instagram as well as the etsy store yeah Mm, on the champagne mommy one um Mm -hmm. and like it's sent through the mail or deliver in person uh, I usually stick to deli- uh, delivering through the mail just because it's easier for me to coordinate. I can just put them all together and drop them off. Boom, uh, done, but, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that, that, that clearly, yeah, makes sense. It's easier to just, rather than jumping here, there, there, there and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how long do they usually take to get to the person if it's in, say, Halifax? Oh, a couple days. Okay. All right. Just a couple of days. Even if it's Ontario, Montreal, it's I, I haven't really noticed a lot of slowdowns with the mail, to be totally honest. It seems like everything's running very smoothly on my from my side of side of things. Mm. Even Montreal and Toronto will get their masks in a couple couple of days. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So you mentioned mental health. Uh, a little bit well and then I want to come back to that because sometimes in your captions you kind of put those there mm-hmm. captions on Instagram like how important is that in you uh, f- how important is taking care of your mental health to you and does your art making play any role in it yes absolutely the art plays a role in it I mean <clears throat> uh, you know it, I think it's I think it's also just more important to be upfront, straightforward with people about uh, where you are in your life or how you're feeling or, or what's affecting you. I know myself and so many other people I know definitely tend to suppress those, what we feel are negative emotions mm-hmm. in order to come across maybe a little happier. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it happens on Instagram and, and I think it's natural. And I, and I think of course we should be posting our, our great days. Of course we should. It, it's a beautiful day. You want to share it with your friends. Yeah. But I also think it's straightforward to let people know that um, it's not always sunshine and roses. Uh, you know, things get to us. They're compounded even more because we're in a pandemic, you know, um, and because of a lot of the issues that are popping up around the or, the world, you know, it can be really minimizing and frustrating to figure out what mm. you can do. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes the most important thing is being honest. You know, um, uh, in January of 2020, I I started uh, I started on an SSRI, like a you know for for my depression and anxiety, and. You know, I, I kept it pretty quiet just because I, I 
I didn't really know what to say about it. It, it was so brand new. I, I didn't know what it was going to do to me. I didn't know how it was going to affect me. And, uh, you know, this was pre-pandemic. I went out to a, a party the, the night that I was prescribed these drugs. Everyone I talked to. Everyone I talked to, because I was honest and straightforward with what had happened to me. Everyone, it was... It, it was so much easier for me to work through that shame or judgment about having to take an SSRI when I knew that half of the people, half of my friends at this place had either been on it or they had experienced something similar. They could give me advice about what was going to happen. They could give me a heads up. And it was, I, I I had just felt so much better at the end of the day, you know, uh, hearing that people were experiencing something similar to me, you know, mm. um, in that same way, um, art was a very positive thing for me to focus on, you know, it wasn't mm. drinking, it wasn't staying up late, wasn't eating takeout food, it, you know, all of those things are, Uh, you know, understandable if, if if that's what you do to, you know, every every person's way of dealing with something is their own way, and there's there's no right or wrong. But at that time, when I was in a really dark place, art really did feel like uh, these small moments of joy or enjoyment um, that that really hit me and and felt good, you know. Mm. Um, even just the act of loosening up with things, um, making bigger pieces of art or making a really, really small piece of art, you know, um, I was trying new things and, and it was bringing me, uh, I don't know, it was bringing me out of a, out of a dark hole a little bit. It was, it was giving me these small moments of joy in my day that I could really focus on. Mm. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. thanks for sharing that because uh, sometimes uh, we might be dealing with things and then we just think it's just us or mm -hmm. until like maybe you see something on social media or a friend shares what they're experiencing is like, oh yeah, me too. And, and you know, just having that like makes it a lot easier to deal with. So, so absolutely. Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's really important. And then uh, while I'm still on your Instagram, there's a post that like had me laughing for for a very long time. It was the one with the taxes. Do you do you know that one? The one with the what? Taxes. Are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> the taxes. Don't get me going. Jeez. Yeah, I got a lot of response on that post, and I was shocked. Yeah, because really, everyone, really everyone has that experience. I was I was filled with rage that day. <laughs> and I just got on Instagram and I just let it go. You know? <laughs> Trying to do these taxes. I haven't worked for the past year. No EI, no CERB, no nothing for a year. Mm. <laughs> and then I have to fill out these taxes and tell all of the government all of this crappy information about my past <laughs> year and how many freaking doctors I've been to to try to figure this shit out on mm. zero money. And I 
so, something was in me and I had to let it out. I had to let it out. <laughs> and people really responded to it, you know. I I had some awesome conversations with with people that I knew very well or didn't know very well at all. Mm. We're all going through it. We are all going through it. <laughs> oh man, it's always fun chatting with you. Lindsay, um, I'm going to let you go, but I, I need to ask this because, again, your hair is blue today also. Yeah. Like, like you have a lot of photos with your hair in other colors, but blue tends to be the predominant one. Yeah. Uh, why? What's the story with the blue hair? Uh, well, I mean, I am an Aquarius, so that made sense. Uh, to have blue hair but you know if I'm going to be honest with you there is this really cool DJ and uh, model that I follow on Instagram she always wears awesome outfits she had blue hair I said oh I gotta get blue hair I think this is gonna really I think this is gonna be the new me anyways that was about <laughs> three years ago now Wow. I've had blue hair ever since. I, I tell everyone I'm a natural blue head now. <laughs> my mom this way. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever going to go away. I'm going to be that 75-year-old woman. With the blue hair. Hair blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, my God, Lindsay. Oh. oh, okay, fine. Thank yeah. you so much for coming to the sanctuary and for sharing as much as you did. Uh, no, I think we should me. chat again because, like, I really want to, you know, learn how to do the male paper art thing. Oh, it's it's fun. You would love it. You would love it. I'll take your Open word up for that it. Creativity, yeah, it's gonna be fun. All right, thank you so <laughs> much, Lindsay. Thank you, Israel. It was really nice seeing you.